This is Big Sky Lead, a dive into the stories about how government and politics drive the direction of Montana. This podcast is from the reporters of the Montana State News Bureau in Helena, your eyes and ears on state government. It's produced by me, Tom Bridge. Our team brings you an examination of Montana's new landscape with new laws, a new governor, and a new Republican dominance across all of state government. I'm here with Tom Kuglin of the Montana State News Bureau, and this is a continuation of the series of episodes we've had digging into a collection of work being published around grizzly bears and our uh, coexistence with them in the Rocky Mountain West. And Tom, grizzly bears have always walked a political tightrope, and with the current political climate, um, that's not going away. We see grizzlies in the news on nearly a weekly basis. so. First, tell us, tell us exactly what your, your story was hoping to answer and, and how you approached the story. Sure, Tom. So we um, n- noticed that right away that um, where the political parties were, were lining up on this. So um, we had uh, Greg Gianforte elected as governor. We had mm-hmm. super, you know, near super majorities and our legislature right. that were Republicans. So with Montana being solid red, really for the first time in 16 years, um, that made us look a lot more like Idaho and Wyoming in terms of politics. Uh, meanwhile, with, with Joe Biden being elected in the White House, that meant that he was going to be appointing um, people to lead both the Department of the Interior and U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service. Mm-hmm. And um, so not to say that um, the that it's necessarily a, a party line issue um there if you go back and actually look at the attempts to delist grizzly bears in in the lower 48 in in the yellowstone area one was done under obama and one was done under bush so i mean that keeping that in mind but certainly um we're looking at a a heightened i think division in the country politically um, from those times and and how that might have played into how some of these decisions were made right right so what are some of these consistent themes that keep seeming seeming to keep continually crop up throughout um, grizzly bear policy? Well, delisting is the big one, right? Um, and, and certainly, I'm not the only one in this series that's going to write about delisting because mm-hmm. it is sort of the, the big question in the room. Uh, you know, the states, including Montana, are pretty confident that that we can manage grizzly bears effectively and and not have them backslide into a threatened or, or endangered status. Right. Um, at the same time, what that looks like um, is not just a Montana, Idaho, Wyoming issue. It's an international, national issue um, because bears are such a, a high-profile animal. Mm-hmm. Um, anything to do with them is controversial. So w- when we take a look at, you know, who do you ask questions to? Right. Um, the two main, the two main um, areas we look to are um, the delegation, Montana's delegation specifically, and then also state government. So what are Republicans, Democrats, and our new Republican governor doing in Montana um, on the issue of bears? So that was kind of the big themes is, is uh, where where are the arguments going, where is the debate going on this? Um, I think you're, the other theme that you just can't escape is the rural urban divide on a lot of this. Right. Um, you know, you you go and you sit in a room with people 
along the Rocky Mountain front that live there, that live with bears day in and day out. They're having a far different take on the situation and than you do when you sit in the room at the Capitol right, and listen right. to people debate it. So not saying that one side's right or wrong or that there isn't some common ground there, but um, you do see sort of a lack of understanding of the two sides, I think, and how we're going to get someplace with, with some sort of agreement. is It's a big hill to climb in this sort of political politically charged climate, I think. Right, right. And what are policymakers doing to um, kind of parse out the emotional and real-world debate versus the legal process around grizzly bears? So I went to uh, Augusta in June, and they were having a community meeting there. Um, we saw federal officials from uh, the Department of Interior, USDA, state officials from Fish, Wildlife, and Parks. Um, we saw the Livestock Law Board there. We saw Wildlife Services on the federal level there. So, you know, a pretty big array of, of people. And right. I think, especially in June, because we were just a couple months out from the session mm -hmm. where we have new state laws on grizzly bears, and then new administration, new appointees at the federal level, there was just a lot of uncertainty. Right, um, right. You know, a lot of wait and see for the next steps, next direction right. on, on what this, how this would actually play out uh, with, of course, delisting being the ultimate goal, but, right. you know, what else can be done in the meantime? Right. Um, you know, I talked to um, Hank Warsek, who's the head of Fish, Wildlife, and Parks, and, you know, he, he's confident that the bears can be delisted, but he also says, short of delisting, what can we do in the meantime? And he thinks the issues are, are less about whether we're going to hunt bears, but more about people that are, are interested in self-protection. And, of course, grizzly bear actual, like, fatalities are, are very rare. Mm -hmm. um, we don't want to uh, go down a rabbit hole of saying, you know, every week we're seeing this. But, I mean, we do see fatalities. They certainly do prey on livestock. Right. Um, there's programs in place and people in place that are supposed to help with that. But how effective are they is a matter of opinion a lot right, of times. So right. um, I, I think when you, when you do take a step back, though, and look at the new Republican dominance in Montana, um, certainly the laws that got passed are, are far more um, aggressive towards bears and bear management and encouraging the ability of people to um, kill bears if they feel threatened or are threatening their property. Right. So... Maybe could you could you give a brief run through and you kind of already did, but what did we see come out of the most recent legislature regarding bears? What changes from before the session? Um, sure. So there there's a couple of sort of tangential laws I'll just mention real quick. One is um, allowing hound hunting to black bears in the spring. Um, the other one is allowing snares for wolves. Mm -hmm. um, those both came with um, some some concerns from people that grizzly bears could be, um, I guess, inadvertently tied up in in, in those sorts of activities. Um, since then, um, uh, the Fish and Wildlife Commission has passed regulations that do restrict where hound hunting and, and snaring of wolves right. can take place. So um, those are all outside of, of established grizzly bear areas. But as we know, grizzly bears are in a lot of 
lot of places now and places we haven't seen them before. So um, I think there's still some concern there from, from people that are opposed to those bills and those regulations. But um, the more direct laws is one is from um, Senator Butch uh, Gillespie's from uh, Keevan up in uh, sort of the east of Glacier Park area. Mm-hmm. Um, his his bill, his first one, um, allows someone whose livestock is being threatened by a grizzly bear to shoot and kill that bear. Mm. Of course, with bears being still under federal right. law, um, that bill really doesn't have an effect. But it, it would, in the event of delisting, set Montana policy. And also sends, I, I think it's pretty clear, it sends, sends a message about um, you know what what the legislature felt were priorities and that was protecting life and property but as it currently stands it's ineffective because it's in in contradiction to correct you know, federal policy. correct um, the other thing he did is he sponsored um, a resolution which we see this resolution pretty much every session it calls mm-hmm. for delisting bears in the past it's it's called for delisting bears just in the greater Yellowstone right. area or the greater or the continental divide areas where we kind of know where populations are pretty good mm-hmm. um, and meeting that population criteria for delisting. Um, that bill got amended though and is actually calling for or the resolution, which the resolution doesn't have any legal effect. It's right. basically a policy s- statement um, calling for bears to be delisted statewide. Right. Um, that is pretty far reaching. I mean, at this point you would be talking about areas where bears aren't considered recovered population wise and also the Bitterroot where they're I mean we saw a couple of bears there this year and we hear about them every once in a while but there's no population right really at all there um, so you're delisting it calling for delisting an area where there's no bears really right. to speak of um, so it, it it was a little counterintuitive I think in that way um, but again it, it's sending a message the other one we saw was from Mike Lang he's a Republican from from Malta and this one was supported by Fish, Wildlife and Parks um, it deals with conflict bears, and mm-hmm. right now there's a kind of a partnership between state and federal people, and, and what will happen is you'll have a bear get into a conflict, kills livestock, for example. Um, it's usually the state that will go out and trap it. Right. Um, but it is the feds, U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service, that say, okay, we're going to try to relocate this bear or we're going to euthanize this bear they have the final say they have the final say um and then practice up until now was that montana would take the state state would then do the actual do the work work um this isn't this basically stops the line at trapping the bear so we can still respond as as a state um you know again for for the safety i think aspect or you know to stop a depredation um but then the feds will actually have to do the physical transport and release. And the other thing it did was was say that Montana Fish Wildlife, the Montana Fish and Wildlife Commission would have to approve areas for releases for bears that the state does. Hmm. So this all would, would be outside of re- designated recovery zones. Right. Um, so it, you, you got a lot of layers of law here, but um, the state's still going to be able to trap and relocate bears inside recovery zones right outside of recovery zones it's if it's a bear that's in conflict they're going to leave it up to the feds and again um that's something that that when talking to warsec he said is he thinks it's gotten the the federal government's attention is how he put it okay interesting yeah um that well it seems kind of counterintuitive right because the state 
in other bills, the state is showing that they want a heavy-handed approach to managing grizzly bears and they want to be involved in the process, but this seems counterintuitive to that, right? They're kind of saying uh, they want more of a hands-off and leave it to the feds sort of a deal in these areas outside of recovery zones. So, so I think the recovery zones are an area where everybody, when they listed bears and talked about recovering, is where they thought bears should be. Um, now we're talking about bears that are spreading out east of the Rocky Mountain Front, primarily right. where um, you're seeing a lot of a lot of concern about bears out on the prairie. Um, you know, Big Sandy, Loma, Shelby, right. all those areas um, where where we hadn't seen bears for you know decades. Right. Um, so I think that's what what they're trying to get at here is that um, we have an area as the state of Montana, as the legislature feels like we're these are where the bears should be, and once they're out of there and getting closer to where um, people live or out on the prairie, then we want to have a different approach to that. Okay. So I th- that's sort of the rundown of right. of the state laws. At, at the federal level, you're seeing um, Montana's Republicans um, push for delisting legislatively. Yeah, have we heard from our governor, Gene Forte? We have actually, and thanks for reminding me of that. Um, pretty recently, actually, he um, has petitioned uh, the federal government to delist bears in the in the northern continental divide ecosystem, which is like Lincoln North through Glacier Park, right? Battle area, a lot of bears there. Um, the Yellowstone is the area they've tried before. There's, of course, been you know court cases and things that have um, found that att- those attempts to be um, illegal, right? Um, for a variety of reasons, um, food sources, but genetic connectivity is a big one. Um, there's not really a, a way to connect the two populations and and without physically moving bears back and forth, which is something that's on the table. Right. But um, that that sort of has been one of the big hangups. So the, this idea of delisting individual populations in Montana is, is an interesting one, and it's what the governor has asked has to be considered but historically it hasn't worked uh, according to federal court it hasn't worked right um, we'll see what happens I mean I, I you know courts can change and, and things like that and and the science can the science around it can change right. too we got to remember this isn't a static scientific information environment mm-hmm. um, I think what'll be interesting when you really want to talk about delisting the two main populations in Montana the question that comes to my mind is whether the idea of we're going to capture a bear in glacier country and move it down to Yellowstone to maintain connectivity artificially is something that'll pass muster hmm. with the with a federal judge. So, Tom, some other things that happened to the legislature um, I just wanted to highlight was, was the re- reporting I did for this story was um, to talk to to Gillespie and and. Uh, Democrat Pat Flowers from Belgrade, who are both um, pretty pretty outspoken about these things. And, and in talking to Gillespie, it was pretty interesting because, you know, he had just passed this law that, he, you know, he felt was pretty important to his constituents. And um, interestingly, he, he was a little bit disappointed that Democrats didn't vote for it. Hmm. Um, he felt like, you know, there was some political pressure there to vote against it. Um, and, and he you know, said, you know, everybody's life's important, whether Democrat, Republican or not. And, and, you know, Gillespie's kind of a 
a rancher and you know pretty pretty nice guy if you ever get a chance to talk to him so i mean he he kind of has that mentality about right. it um talking to talking to pat flowers though um interestingly you know he said okay democrats aren't necessarily against delisting i think it's pretty easy to put these two parties in camps and mm-hmm. right, where you say oh republicans want to kill bears and democrats want to protect bears and and it's a lot more nuanced than that um Flowers has said they don't think the science is there, and they also don't think that the new laws actually help with delisting. Right. Um, within the within the Endangered Species Act, you're talking about something called regulatory mechanisms, which is the agency jargon for what are the state policies and regulations that are going to ensure that the state doesn't come in and just start killing bears left and right and then reduce the population to whether they're threatened again. Um, in order to delist, the state has to show that it has these regulatory mechanisms in place. Right. And um, the Democrats and some of the people that that testified against these bills feel like the, these actually set back that hmm. discussion. That it shows that doesn't show that Montana was stepping up to to put mechanisms in place or regulations in place that would protect bears from being becoming endangered again. Right. So. Interestingly enough, there's this sort of side call for bipartisanship, um, and maybe that's just a Montana call mm-hmm. <laughs> among some some people that understand the issue. Well, um, Pat Flowers you worked for Fish, Wildlife, and Parks for a long, long time and worked on these issues a lot, so I think he understands them probably pretty well, but he, he was pretty adamant that his caucus is not against delisting, that delisting is sort of the a grand achievement, but that we're, we're not there yet. And these laws didn't help get us there. Right. Okay. Right. So I guess we'll watch and see. Yeah. So, and I interrupted you back there. You were going to start talking about, uh, what our, our federal delegation is doing and saying, go ahead. Sure. So there's two ways, basically you'd end up delisting bears. Um, the first one would be obviously to go through the regulatory process. Fish and wildlife service makes a rule. It goes out and then it, um, any rule they're going to pass delisting bears is going to be challenged in court, and you'll see if that survives the challenge. Um, the other way you can do it, and we know we can do it because they did it with gray wolves, is to legislatively delist them. So mm-hmm. basically what you do is you put um, in law the legis- the rule in law and then say it can't be challenged in court. Okay, That's what happened with, with gray wolves, and it's what in theory could happen with bears too. And Steve Daines and, and Matt Rosendale are two Republicans have done that. Interestingly, John Tester, the, the Democrat, um, was the one who basically did the wolf delisting rider. Um, but he talking to his staff, it doesn't sound like he might have the same appetite to do that with, with bears. He's, hmm. He says, you know, we need to follow the science and see right. what the science says on this, uh, on bears. Um, bears probably internationally or in order of magnitude more well known than, than wolves although wolves are doing a pretty good job catching up right now right with, with all they've been in the news lately so um so we'll we'll see what happens there um you know steve danes had a pretty interesting exchange with deb halland who's the uh, department of the interior secretary and um you know there's a lot of talk about the population, where the population is. And, right. you know, everybody says, okay, you know, the population's doing good. But obviously there's these other things like connectivity 
that are within the delisting decision that that we need to think about too mm-hmm. um, in order to survive a, a federal court challenge so right. um, so you got uh, you know all this dynamic at the federal level and the state level um, and obviously the, the Montana legislature was pretty divided on this um, Democrats voted against it and, and Republicans voted for it um, what's interesting to me though is you know in talking to people I think there, there's probably more nuance there um and talking to gillespie he was actually pretty disappointed you know he just passed this this law that was really important he felt to the people in his area so while we're on the topic of department of interior um were you able to uh, touch base with them and if so what did they have to say about all this yeah department of interiors um been a challenge um <laughs> we've got Martha Williams nominated to be the head of U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service, and she's uh, a Montanan, and she was most recently um, the head of Fish, Wildlife, and Parks right. under Steve Bullock. Um, you know, the the federal government is its own animal, and, you know, I think despite our best attempts, we weren't allowed access to the people we'd hoped to have access to right. on this. Um Hillary Cooley, who is um, the grizzly bear coordinator for Fish and Wildlife Service, was at the meeting in Augusta. So I got a little bit of a taste of that. And obviously, um, you know, Deb Howland, who is the Secretary of the Interior, has been asked about this by, um, you know, people in Congress, too. So, you know, there is some public record from these officials uh, on sort of where they're going with it. Um, I, I think given the, the current political climate, we, it's unlikely that we'll see you know, a call for delisting. But again, you know, the most recent delisting was under Obama. So right. you never say never. Right. Um, it, it's, again, really hard to put these people in these camps. But um, the the idea is here, that is, through my my reporting, though, is that I think it's hard not to see all of this through somewhat of a, of a political lens and who's, who's testifying for who and who is backing who and, and who's asking for delisting and who wants to keep the protections in place and so yeah Tom we haven't necessarily had had great luck with getting our our federal officials on on the record Um, but you know it's not something I think is going away and we we do see them appear from time to time in public so you know we'll keep requesting permission to to, or we'll we'll keep requesting interviews with them we'll see how it happens with those but um, we'll also be following what they're saying in public so uh, there's a lot of reporting in this two-week series, but it sounds like there there will be more to report as time goes on. Yeah, no, that's what, that was the interesting thing is um, we we started reporting on this you know months ago, and I I think part of the struggle has been you can never there's no such thing as a final story in this right. series. Um, everything is so fluid, and we're going to be updating stories right up to the day of publication and, right. and beyond. So. Um, yeah, I think it's a fun series to work on. Um, I didn't do um, as much work as some of the other reporters on it, but um, you know, it was, it was a lot of fun to be a part of. Well, folks, that's uh, another episode of Big Sky Lee. Uh, if you want to keep hearing this, make sure to subscribe wherever podcasts are found. Thanks, Tom. Thanks, Tom. Mm-hmm.